Turn with me this morning in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41. This is not the message that I had intended to preach. I've deliberately changed the message. Believing, of course, that I've been led of the Lord to do so. Just for the time being, we'll leave our exposition of First Peter. And we'll return to it in a few weeks' time. And for the next few weeks, we'll just look to the Lord for his help and leading as we think about getting a word from him. Isaiah chapter 41 we read just part of the chapter, starting at the verse 1. Isaiah 41, verse 1. Keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near, then let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. Who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave the nations before him, and made him rule over kings? He gave them as the dust to his sword, and as driven stubble to his bow. He pursued them, and passed safely, even by the way that he had not gone with his feet. Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last I am he. The isles saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid, drew near and came. They helped every one his neighbour, and every one said to his brother, be of good courage. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. And he that smothered with the hammer saith. Sorry, he that smothered with the hammer. Him that smote the anvil saying it is ready for the soldering. And he fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. But thou Israel art my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend, thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them, and shall not find them, even them that contendeth with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing, and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not. I will help thee. Fear not, thy worm Jacob, 
and ye men of Israel, I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 14. And we pray that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing these words that we have read together. Now my text this morning is taken from Isaiah chapter 41 and the verse 13. And it reads as follows, For I the Lord thy God will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. And my subject today is entitled, Being Taken by the Hand of the Lord. Now here's a wonderful Old Testament truth. And this truth sets forth a lovely picture of the Lord himself and his relationship with us, his people. The reference here, uh, taken by the hand, we believe as a simple and yet a common phrase. It conveys the concept of being shown tender love and mercy by someone who is in power and authority. You see, being taken by the hand uh, fills and brings that individual into a life of enjoyment and a life of wonderful privileges. Surely we see this in the child-parent relationship. When mummy or daddy takes the child by the hand, maybe when they're crossing the road, etc. We see this in the boy-girl relationship. When the boy and girl is courting and they're out spending time together and the boy takes the girl in his hand. We see this in the bride and groom relationship. At part of the wedding ceremony, the officiating minister will ask the groom to take the bride's right hand. Don't we see this in the patient-doctor relationship? I was thinking about this on Monday at half past eight or just before it in the morning. The uh, doctor and consultant came and even though um, I was in the bed trembling and worried, uh, life scared out of me, he came and took me by the hand and he spoke reassuring words. Don't we see this in the picture of a loved one that's ill in the hospital, maybe near the point of death, and you're there at the bedside, and what do you do? You touch their hand. You take them by the hand. And, of course, it's done deliberately. It's done as a sign of affection. It's done to comfort. It's a sign of favor, isn't it? And it's done by someone who has got great power and authority to do so. And as I thought of this text of scripture uh, yesterday, there was a few thoughts come to my mind. Now, as I said, it, it wasn't my intention to preach on this, and I, I would love to have more time to, to meditate and think upon it, but it was forced upon me, especially after I heard about the death of some of your loved ones. And this is what come to me. First of all, think of the person that's presented. Ask yourself the question, who wants to hold your hand? There used to be a song, don't ask me who sang it. Some of you might know, so you'll be able to keep me right. Uh, but it was entitled, I want to hold your hand. And I remember it. Because it's one of those things that you can't escape. It's often played on the radio and it just gets into your head. 
But, but ask yourself the question, who is it that wants to hold your hand? Look at the text. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand. It's the hand of one who has ultimate power and authority. It's the hand of one whose love, whose grace and mercy and favour is so vast, it's beyond our power of comprehension. The Lord thy God. The one who is King of kings and Lord of lords. The one who's your great maker and creator. The Lord Jesus Christ himself. The one with the crucified hands. The one who still bears the wounds and the marks of the nails in his hand. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know and to comprehend that you're being held by the hand of the Lord? Does not pose a question. If the Lord comes to us and says, for I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand. Then the question is, are you being held by the hand of the Lord? Is your hand in the nail-pierced hand of Jesus Christ? Now, now, make no mistake about it. The question has to be asked, who is holding your hand? And if we're asking the child, the child would say, mummy or daddy, maybe a granny or granda. If we ask the girl uh, who's in a courting relationship, she would talk about my boyfriend. The bride and the groom, if we ask the bride in the wedding ceremony, who's got your hand? And she would look and speak with affection uh, about her groom. If we think about the patient and the doctor, and the, the, the patient there is trembling for whatever tests or whatever operation they're facing in the future and the doctor takes them by the hand it would be the doctor or the nurse that has my hand or the frail uh, uh, ill loved one uh, that, that's being touched and held by the hand of another loved one and it's all designed to cheer it's all designed to comfort you see the point is you can't take someone by the hand and not know who it is you can't take someone by the hand and not know their identity. You can't be held by the hand without you knowing that it's happening. Even an ill loved one that's frail in the hospital knows that someone has touched their hand. Someone is gripping their hand. We're very sensitive to touch, aren't we? But here's the question. Who's holding your hand? And the person presented in the text is the Lord thy God. And I'm asking the question this morning, do you know that you're being held by the hand of the Lord? Do you know you're in a relationship with the Lord? Do you know you're in a state of fellowship with the Lord? You see, the thought that came to me was how blessed we are. How favoured we are if we know that we're being held by the hand of the Lord. You see, it's a privilege. It's an honour. It's a wonderful delight to be able to say this, to be able to know this. But is it true in our lives? Held by the hand of the Lord. 
I the Lord will hold thy right hand. Who holds your hand? The Lord thy God. The one who's your creator and maker. The one with the crucified hands. Jesus Christ himself. I'm in his hands. Doesn't this tie into the picture in John chapter 10 and in the um, verse 28 uh, text that I have often turned to, thought about, John chapter 10, and he says in the verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall neither, never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. What a wonderful privilege and delight to be able to say, I'm in the hand of the Lord for time and eternity. Now, now that's the person that's presented. Notice, secondly, the picture that's painted. Let's probe a little deeper. You see, the picture that's painted here is the Christian in the hand of the Lord. And of course, it's a wonderful picture and illustration of true conversion. What is it to say that we're saved? Of course, this is an issue that can't be fudged. This is an issue I believe that we need a very clear view on in days of hazy notions and foolish and false concepts. This is something that the Lord initiated. Note the order. For I, the Lord, will hold thy right hand. You see, it's not the sinner reaching up himself by his own power and energy and strength and trying to lay hold on the Lord, his creator, or the crucified Christ. No, that's not the picture. The picture is the Lord reaching down to where the sinner is in grace and in mercy and laying hold upon them. Let's illustrate this for the children. Think of the parable of the lost sheep. Think of the action of the sheep. The sheep got itself lost. The sheep, of course, is pictured as a dumb animal, foolish, goes astray. Uh, we, we could really say, oh, well, the stupid sheep got itself lost. Well, that's a picture of all of us. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That's what the Bible says. That's what we're like. But what think of the action of the shepherd. The sheep was lost. What did he do? He went after it. He sought the sheep until he found where the sheep was. And then he had to speak to the sheep and call out to the sheep. And then he laid hold upon it by his hand. And then he lifted the sheep. And you know that he laid it on his shoulders and he carried it all the way home. And that was his initiative. Not our initiative. You see, in grace the Lord reaches out to us. It's not our effort. It's not our ability to strive and reach up and grasp the hand of the Lord. The picture is that he reaches down to us in grace and in mercy. Over there in Psalm 40 that we uh, sang this morning, 
we have that psalm of David's testimony and David was able to say to us I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry he brought me up also out of an horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings and he hath put a new song in my mouth even praise unto our God many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord you see the emphasis was on David's mind was what the Lord had done. He laid hold upon me in the pit. I, I was sinking in the miry clay. And the Lord lifted David out. And the Lord set David on a rock. And the Lord established his goings. And the Lord had put a new song in my mouth. This is what the Lord did for me. And you see, I go back to what I said. True conversion, now listen to me carefully, is all about what the Lord did. It's God that saves sinners. It's all about his initiation in grace. In Psalm 18, we have a similar picture. He says, he sent from above. He took me. He, that is, he took hold of me by the hand. He drew me out of many waters. Now, here's a simple truth. And it underscores what the Lord did for us. If we're saved this morning, the hand of the Lord reached down to where we were. The hand of the Lord reached out to us where we were. And in mercy, he laid hold upon us and he did the saving. He did the delivering. He is the one that does the keeping. Remember in Isaiah, our Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 22, it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. And now it's a simple truth. But I want you to remember it today. The Christian in the hand of the Lord, that's the picture. But how did the Christian get into the hand of the Lord? Here's the answer. The Lord laid hold in me. Is that your testimony? That's what the Lord does. He works by his spirit. He works through his word. The Lord comes and does a work of persuasion in our hearts and minds. He brings us to the place where we want to be saved, where we cry out with delight, Lord, save me, I perish. Think of the sheep. The shepherd finds the sheep. He sees where the sheep is. It's lost. Now, what does he do? You see, the shepherd doesn't just rush in. He speaks to the sheep. Did you know that? And he speaks quietly. He speaks softly. You see, if he just charged in, the sheep would bolt. And every shepherd, of course, knows that you can't rush in to grab a sheep that's lost by itself. And, of course, every farmer knows in relation to cattle, if you're moving them to get them to go this way or that way, you have to take them gently. You have to come in quietly. You have to speak soothing words. And doesn't the Lord himself come as the shepherd? And he speaks a word to us. 
and he takes away our fear and our dread. He melts our hearts. He breaks down our walls of resistance, our spirit of rebellion. He changes our attitude. And what are we left with? We're left with a wonderful work of the Lord's grace and mercy. And the Lord accomplishes this by his mighty power, by his wonderful grace, by his authority. Now, now let's get the picture. A creature of rebellion, a creature of defiance, a creature of sinful ways, a creature that's foolish and dumb like a sheep. And the Lord makes us willing. And in the day of his power and visitation, it's by his grace and mercy he lifted us. And he brings us into a life of submission and obedience to himself. That's the picture. The picture that's being painted. The God of heaven, he holds my hand. And the God of heaven, he walks hand in hand with me. I was a sinner, bound for hell. Corrupt and defiant of all the Lord is. And glory to God, he conquered my heart. And glory to God in grace and mercy, he laid his hand upon me and he's lifted me and he leads me and he loves me. Oh, just think of that today. Because that's the picture. He, he lifted me. He, he, he leads me. He, he, he loves me. What a mercy. What a blessing. You know, it's a very instructive picture. Not only of true conversion, but of true religion itself. You see, it's not just about becoming a Christian. But it's also about being a Christian, isn't it? You see, there's a picture for us here. It's a very common picture. It's a simple picture. You, you think of a parent holding the child by the hand, leading the child, helping it to walk. Just the other evening there, I was round in Musket, uh, and I noticed a couple of adults and they had a child in between them. I think it was a little girl. And each had a hand on the child. Helping the child to walk along the footpath. A child led by the hand. Of the parent who has power and authority over the child. A simple picture. A simple image. No difficult terms. No big long words. It's a picture of what? True conversion. It's a picture of true religion. I have been lifted. I am being led by the hand of the Lord. The, the Lord loves me. It's a picture of our relationship, of being in fellowship with the Lord. Because, let's face it, we ought to walk as a child walks, held by the hand of its parent. It's a picture of harmony. The Bible asks the question, can two walk together except to be agreed? And the answer is no. The Christian relationship is one of being in harmony with the Lord. No arguments. No disagreements. See, before we're saved, we're enemies of God's righteousness. We had thoughts that were contrary to the heart and mind of the Lord. Our mind was darkened. We say, I thought... This, that and the other. But then the grace of God came and changed this and the Lord lifted us by his hand and the Lord has me in his hand and the Lord leads me by his hand. I walk in step with the Lord. In fact, I think there's a book in the study entitled In Step with the Lord. 
Think of Enoch. He, he was a contemporary of Adam. He could have maybe known Adam, called him probably Uncle Adam. But Enoch walked with God. That's what the Bible tells us. He had a testimony that he pleased God. What was his testimony? He walked in harmony with the Lord. Let's go back to the child. You've been there. You've seen it. You've maybe experienced it. You're in the supermarket. Of course, it's usually the woman, isn't it? And the child is pulling one way. And uh, the mother is pulling the other way. And the child is headstrong. Be disobedient. Sees a particular item that they want. And they want to go. And the mother's wanting to go in a different direction. And you see, isn't it so important that we know what our Bible teaches us about our relationship with the Lord? About what it means to be in fellowship with the Lord? Sometimes we say, well, I want to go here. I want to do this. But the chief thing is, is this contrary to the heart and mind of God? Have I got the Lord's blessing and sanction? Is there an agreement of heaven about where I'm going and what I'm doing? Isn't that why it's important to attend the prayer meeting and be in communion and speaking terms with the Lord? See, it's a picture of harmony. Very quickly, it's a picture of serenity. Let's switch to the wedding. Think of the groom taking the bride's right hand. It's a symbol of love. It's a symbol of affection as their vows are exchanged. And doesn't the child delight to know that it's in the hand of mummy and daddy and they love me and they're leading me? And isn't it true about the bride and the groom? You see, in this relationship, there's one who's submissive and there's one who is sovereign. There's one who does the holding. And there's one who is led. One who is guided. See, in this relationship, when the Christian is in the hand of the Lord, it's a picture that we're submissive to the will and mind of God. We're submissive to the Lord's leading. We'll not pull for our way. Remember what we read there in Romans chapter 8 and verse uh, 13, a, a tremendous statement about the Spirit of God and the work of the Spirit of God. He says in Romans 8 and verse 13, uh, sorry, sorry, verse 14, and as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And where do I find the leading of the Spirit? Dreams, visions, imaginations, the impulses of my own mind. I feel that this is right. No. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. How does the Spirit lead us? He leads us by his word. The word that the Spirit inspired. The words of the Spirit and the way of the Spirit are codependent. They work together. The Holy Spirit never leads you into sin. The Holy Spirit doesn't lead you into silliness. He always leads you into saintliness. He leads you to the Saviour because his job is to glorify and show you Christ. So there, there's the picture that's painted. Notice one final thing. The promise proclaimed. 
Just ask yourself this as we come wrap this up. Who holds your hand? The Lord thy God. I'm a Christian in the hand of the Lord. I'm in relationship and fellowship with the Lord. Notice where does the Lord hold your hand? There's mention here of the words, fear not. You see, the Lord, I believe, holds our hand on the road of life. Isn't life a journey? It's full of ups and downs. It's got many corners. There's a lot of bad bends. There's a lot of potholes. We can all hit them. In other words, it's not an easy road. We're travelling to heaven. But you know, the Lord is there with us. I'm a Christian in the hand of the Lord and he holds my hand. And when the trials come and when I'm overwhelmed and I can't see any light and there's no way out and I feel I can't carry on and life for me is in a financial mess and I'm in the midst of trouble and I've no strength to go on. What does the Lord come? The Lord comes and says, I hold your hand. Fear not. There's a wee fella in the hospital and the doctor said to him, are you afraid, son? And he says, I'll not be afraid if daddy holds my hand. And haven't we all been there? Daddy holding the hand of the child who's facing tests or facing surgery. And that's the picture. I hold thy right hand. Maybe we should just throw this in. Why the right hand? The right hand, of course, is the one that's closest to the heart. And the Bible is very specific. Thy right hand, not the left hand. Do you know that in days of old when soldiers were fighting, the soldier who was your closest companion, your choicest friend, he would stand in your right side to defend you. And the Lord says, I'm at your right hand when you face trials. I'm at your right hand when all hell breaks out against you and the devil and the world's against you. And you, you, you maybe reach the point where you say like, David, no man cared for my soul. David said in Psalm 142, I had nobody on my right hand. And the Lord's saying, I'm there. When you need a defender, I'll hold thy right hand. Where does he hold her hand? Not only at the road of life, but at the river of death. You know what? One day we'll pass over the river of death. And even there, the Lord says, I will hold thy right hand. See, the Lord doesn't lead us in a circle. The Lord has a destination in mind. The Lord is leading us home to heaven. <coughs> over there again in Psalm uh, 48, uh, a verse that we have looked at in the past, uh, a tremendous uh, encouragement in Psalm 48 uh, and in the verse uh, 14, the uh, Lord could say, or, or the psalmist could say, for this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. In the company of the Lord, in his hand, all through life's journey. And as we get closer to heaven, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And when you come to the pearly gates, I just want to throw this in, it'll not be Peter that'll let you in and lead you through. That's a load of rubbish. 
Peter's not at the pearly gates. It's the Lord. And he leads us in and through. And I believe, of course, when we face death, he'll give dying grace. Isn't the thought of death a fearful thing? It fills us with worry, foreboding. You see, death's an enemy. It's unnatural. Old John Wesley used to talk about the early Methodists dying well. And it wasn't that they were different from any other person. They had their own fears and forebodings. But they knew that they were in Christ. And because they were trusting in him as Christians, they were in his hand. And he would say to them, even in death, fear not, I will help thee. When does he fulfill the promise? Always. From the moment we trusted him as Lord and Saviour. All the time he's there. Right up to the end. Even into heaven itself. He will lead us. One final thought. Why? Here's, here's a person that's presented. The Lord thy God. Here's the picture that painted the Christian in his hand. That's, that's where you are this morning. If you're saved. And here's the promise that's being proclaimed. Who is it? The Lord thy God. I'm in a relationship. I'm in fellowship. Where does he lead us? The road of life. At the river of death. When? He's always there. But why? Let's think of this as we finish. Because of our stupidity. Do you know, we're all human beings. We all make mistakes. We're all prone to go our way. We're all sinful. In thought and word and deed. <coughs> and that's why we need the Lord to hold our hand. He knows all about our foolishness. He knows all about our silliness. He knows what we're inclined to do and the way we're inclined to go. He knows what will cause us harm and danger. He knows that like children want to go our way and do our thing. Think of the child I'll walk by myself. Think about the child that'll go in the wrong direction. And the Lord comes and says, I'll hold thy hand. And also for our security. Because he wants us to get us safe to the other side. Think of a child crossing the road. The parent doesn't say to the child, run over there by yourself. Oh, there's a big bus coming. There's a big articulated lorry, but run you on out, you'll get over safely. No, every parent knows the child at the side of the road. Hold it by the hand. The child is safe in the hand of the parent to go over to the other side. There's a hymn written. I don't think it's in our hymn book. Precious Lord, take my hand. Bring me safe to glory land. It was written by a, a man called Thomas Dorsey. His wife had died in childbirth. The child had also died. He was heartbroken. And you can imagine the scene. And he comes to the Lord and he says, Precious Lord, take my hand. Lord, I need to know that I'm in your hand. And that will give me the greatest comfort and the greatest security. Remember again what... David said as we finish in Psalm 73 
And he says in the verse 24, a, a, a tremendous statement. He says this. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. You see the word afterward. In the Hebrew, it's not just afterward. The thought is, lift me by the hand to glory. See, the Lord doesn't leave us at the river of death. He doesn't abandon us when we're facing the pearly gates. He stays right with us to bring us in. That's a wonderful experience. Is that your hope? Is that your trust? Is that your privilege? Is that your enjoyment today? I trust the Lord will take this promise and he'll write it on our hearts and we'll be filled with the sense and the picture and we'll rejoice and we'll say, what a privilege. May the Lord bless these few thoughts to us.